Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. There was a talk given in General Conference on October 1st, 2022. It was in the morning session, which was a Saturday morning, given by Elder Dale G. Renlin, who is a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In this talk, titled A Framework for Personal Revelation, Mr. Renlin is going to give his listeners guidance on how they can know which personal revelation they should believe and revelation that they should not believe. Now, Eric, before we jump into what Dale Renlin had to say in this talk, I want to read a statement from a Puritan writer by the name of John Owen. John Owen lived between 1616 and 1683. We have cited John Owen many times on this, and I think it's pertinent to cite him again because he makes a statement that I think is a good guideline that all of us as Christians should be willing to follow. And this is what he said. If private revelations agree with Scripture, they are needless. If they disagree, they are false. What's fascinating about that statement is I think Dale Renlin would probably say, I agree with that. Because some of the things that he is going to say in this conference message are arguments that we have used over four-plus decades in talking with Latter-day Saints. But you're going to see a huge difference in our conclusions. And you may ask, well, why is that? It's because Latter-day Saints and New Testament Christians start off on a completely different foundation. And this is why we go into totally different directions when it comes to what is true revelation from God and what is not. But in the subheading of that title, A Framework for Personal Revelation, it says this. We need to understand the framework within which the Holy Ghost functions. When we operate within the framework, the Holy Ghost can unleash astonishing insight. Now let's not forget, according to John 16:13. The Holy Spirit is going to lead God's people into truth. The Holy Spirit cannot deceive. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to deceive. It's against the Holy Spirit's nature. So if the Latter-day Saints believe that they have truth, and it conflicts with what we as Christians believe is truth, then obviously someone is being led by a Holy Spirit that is not really the true Holy Spirit. 
And I think that needs to be established at the very beginning, because we do come to very different conclusions, but yet both traditions would argue that the Holy Spirit is supporting our position. And that can't be. That's impossible. You have two diametrically opposed viewpoints, and they can't both be true. And this is the conflict that we have to kind of work through and try to understand where our LDS friends are coming from. And I think Dale Renlin is going to bring out a lot of points that I know Eric has used on the streets, I have used on the streets, and as you listen to this commentary on this talk, you're probably going to say, hey, I've used those same arguments too. But yet, again, we ask the question, then why is it Latter-day Saints come to a very different conclusion if, in fact, they feel the Holy Spirit is talking to them? Yeah, the title, again, is A Framework for Personal Revelation. That word framework is going to be used throughout. We have to know that in Mormonism, to understand the framework within which the Holy Ghost functions, there's a presupposition that has to be accepted. And that, I think, is the issue we're going to be talking about all week. Because if you accept the presupposition that Joseph Smith is a true prophet, that the only true church on the face of the earth is is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, then you're going to come up with the answers that they expect you to have. And I think that can be a dangerous thing when it comes to personal revelation. Yeah, and this is why it's so important to make sure that the foundation is secure, that the foundation is firm and and planted in what we would say is the Bible. Latter-day Saints don't look at it that way. And Redlin, I think, is going to prove that point in this talk that he gives. Now, he starts off by saying, like many of you, I have been greatly influenced by Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf over the years. That explains, at least in part, what I'm about to say. So with apologies to him, dot, dot, dot. Let's first of all, let's explain who is Dieter F. Uchtdorf. Dieter F. Uchtdorf currently serves as an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's often used illustrations of flying because he was a Lufthansa pilot. And he talks about that a number of times in his, in his conference messages. He became an apostle in 2004, and then he was a member of the First Presidency, served as a second counselor in the First Presidency in 2008. When Russell M. Nelson became the 17th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 2018, he had the option of choosing who his counselors would be. That is a tradition that goes back many, many years in the LDS Church. And he chose to have Dallin Oaks to be one of his counselors. And so that meant that one of the other two would have to go somewhere else. And what happens in Mormonism is that first counselor or that second counselor who is not chosen to remain as a counselor to the new president gets back into the fold of the Quorum of the Twelve. So that's why Dieter F. Uchtdorf now serves as an apostle in the church. Now, you asked the question when we were prepping for this show, Eric. I wonder if Dieter F. Uchtdorf thought that that was some kind of a demotion. He might think something like that because the first presidency certainly holds a certain status within the leadership of the church. It's the first presidency, the top three guys that are the ones given, you might say, the most authority to rule over the church, although the two counselors under the prophet cannot speak above the prophet. The prophet has the final word. 
that always has to be kept in mind. It doesn't take away from their importance because they are very important in the church, as are the 12 apostles in the church. But when you get moved from the first presidency down to the 12 apostles, and even on a chart, that's a step down, you might think, was Uchtdorf getting a demotion? It may be looked upon that way, but I don't think it was because Uchtdorf had some kind of fault or anything like that that would cause Nelson not to want him to be his counselor. It's just that he wanted Dallin Oaks to be in there. And so that's what happens. And he has every right to do that, according to the structure of the LDS Church. Renlin continues in his talk and says, well-trained airplane pilots fly within the capacity of their aircraft and follow directions from air traffic controllers regarding runway use and flight path. Simply stated, pilots operate within a framework. No matter how brilliant or talented they are, only by flying within this framework can pilots safely unleash the enormous potential of an airplane to accomplish its miraculous objectives. In a similar way, we receive personal revelation within a framework. After baptism, we are given a majestic yet practical gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. As we strive to stay on the covenant path, it is, quote, the Holy Ghost that will show us all things that we should do, end quote. When we are unsure or uneasy, we can ask God for help. The Savior's promise could not be clearer. Ask, and it shall be given you, for everyone that asketh receiveth. With the help of the Holy Ghost, we can transform our divine nature into our eternal destiny. Now, on face value, many of us listening to that statement probably would not come up with a lot of objections. Of course, there are words in there that we need to define, and there are concepts that we would question, such as this idea of staying on the covenant path. We've talked about the covenant path many times. And basically what that is is a promise that Latter-day Saints make that they will keep the commandments, all the necessary commandments that will hopefully lead them to eternal life after they die or exaltation in the celestial kingdom of God. But when he says in a similar way, we receive personal revelation within a framework. After baptism, we are given a majestic yet practical gift, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the question I have to ask at this point, Eric, is... Are we really talking about the same Holy Ghost? Now, that's a phrase that Mormons like to use. It's a King James Version. We usually say Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with using those two different terms because it all comes from the same Greek word. But the point is, Latter-day Saints don't think we have that Holy Spirit. You can only get that as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So in essence, what they would imply by that is that we can't possibly be saved in the true sense of the word. In other words, we're not going to receive from God the things that they hope to receive from God, which of course would be celestial exaltation, as I explained earlier. Not that I even want that. I certainly have no desire to be a God in the next life. I don't want to be a God in the next life. I have no desire for anything like that. But the point what we're trying to make here is we both use those terms, but obviously we cannot be talking about the same person in the Godhead because their Holy Ghost is going to lead them in one direction. Our Holy Ghost, our Holy Spirit, is going to lead us in another direction. So somewhere there has to be established that there is a huge 
difference in our understanding of who the Holy Ghost is, and as we said earlier, the foundation from which we start. And I think this talk is going to explain that very well. When he says, The Savior's promise could not be clearer. Ask, and it shall be given you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Now, he's citing from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Even there, we have to ask some questions. So are we to assume that just because we ask, we're going to receive what we ask? There is a possibility that we can ask and ask amiss. That's the word that is used in James chapter 4, verse 3. He even uses that phrase, ask amiss, later on in this talk. So we can't assume that just because someone sincerely asks something of God that we're going to get what we desire because that's where our personal our personal desires can influence the answer that we have. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. When sharing your faith with a Latter-day Saint, it helps to know what their church has taught on several basic topics. For this reason, Mormonism Research Ministry has provided its Crash Course Mormonism. Crash Course Mormonism includes concise articles highlighting what LDS leaders and church manuals have taught on issues that will probably come up in a typical conversation. You can find these informative articles at CrashCourseMormonism.com. That's CrashCourseMormonism.com.